Their new album, Turbo, went gold in just a few weeks, but the group is still trying to reach a wider audience outside the hardcore heavy metal bands. But we knew that we were always people on the outer fringes, you know, looking in and saying, well, I like Priest, but maybe, you know, I'm not sure about this or I'm not sure about that. And uh, I think to reach out and, and, and bring those people in, we, we had to uh, not exactly sort of completely cater for their taste, but we adapted somewhat, you know. The band is using an innovative way to get their message to a broad audience. They've made three humorous TV ads. I think out of the three, the big hit was the uh, the spoof on the um, the American Express stand-up, you know, where you've got yours truly in a three-piece suit looking like I've just walked off Wall Street. Do you know me, lead singer of Judas Priest, idol of millions? Wherever I go in case folks don't know me, I always make sure I carry my turbo. As the band tries this new marketing approach, their on-stage act will change as well. On this particular uh, upcoming tour, we've, we've, we've not exactly toned down the image, but we're coming across with a little bit more of a, a suitable image, you know? I was getting to feel personally a little bit animated with some of the costumes that I was wearing. I, was, I felt as I was becoming a little bit of a parody of myself. Regarding lyric content and proposed guidelines, singer Rob Halford has strong convictions. Agree that certain certain guidelines are important. I don't really feel that we as a band have done anything that can, could be misconstrued as harmful or damaging. God forbid we should ever want to do that. That would end our career overnight. Lyrics aside, Judas Priest continues to be one of the hottest acts in the country. We've never been a controversial band, but we've never shied away from doing whatever we want to do. So when we made Turbo, it kind of shook the cage a little bit. The main ingredients of the Turbo record were, were these new devices that were being made for guitars. And Glenn had one of these machines in his room and he was messing around with the, these incredible sounds. And that's the way the technology can be very inspiring to you as a musician with these pedal boards and special effects. Uh, initially, I think Turbo came under fire a little bit because we used synth guitars on there and didn't go with heavy metal, you know, but we don't believe that. We were one of the first bands to use that type of technology and that kind of set the tone and the, and the flavour. You know, when you, when you pave the way sometimes you do come under initial criticism, but uh, usually people see what you're trying to do and the fans, you know, like I say, sing along with Turbo now, probably more than any, any other song on the set. The whole experience of Turbo was an exciting one, but it definitely became uh, an important record in, in the legacy of Judas Priest. Dr. Fuck, and with me as always is, uh... Oh, yeah! Oh, wait, wait, I gotta do that too. Because I'm drinking as well. 
It's a Friday night, and it's a drunken, fucked up episode. And boy, just when you think, it couldn't get better than two drunk bastards. Who do we have with us, fucking Ian? The one and only diggly dang Bill Wang is with us tonight. Yes, I am. I got the Kung Fu grip, and you know how I say it. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, place to be, diddly dee, Dr. Fuck, Wadzilla, what's up, gentlemen? Bam! Hi, Wang. Hey, hey. Hey, Dr. Fuck. What's up, you sexy motherfucker? I'm a big fan of yours, man. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of yours. Man. I'm just big. (laughs) (laughs) We're all man love, man. You all meet in San Francisco so you get out of fucking threesome. Yes, yes. Hanging out at the toolbox, my favorite bar. Yeah. Favorite bar. We we got to do the human centipede if you know what I'm talking about. I'm up front, by the way. All right. So, uh, fellas, what's up, guys? Oh well, we're here, you know, and uh, we're queer, and we're we're not gonna give a shit. All right. So what happened is uh, the the guests that that y'all had planned failed and were unreliable. So then y'all uh, putting your heads together. The, the brain trust uh, of the doctor fucking Wadzilla is like, well, fuck, all these clowns won't come through. Who can we get on this show that's fucking amazing? Holy shit, I'm going to call Bill Wang in San Francisco. Call the, the Wang phone. Yeah, hello. The Wang uh, phone. Yeah, this is Bill Wang. Hey, this is Wadzilla. Yeah, what's up? Can you do a show tonight? On what? Uh, I don't know, like maybe Juice Freeze, Ram It Down, or Turbo? Uh, Ram it down sucks. Let's do turbo. Bam! Here we go. Wow. That's how it happens. So, spoiler yeah, alert. That's for, happened, basically. Spoiler alert for our Ram it down episode. <laughs> well, spoiler alert on Wang's end. I don't really. Yeah. I, may, I may not think it sucks. So, you know. Well, you got to wait for that one. Blood Red Sky. Blood Red Sky. All right. We'll see. We'll see what I think, think of that one. But that ain't going to be anytime soon. Uh, because believe me, when we go back to Judas Priest land, I want to do something that's actually Judas Priest. <laughs> right. Not this fucking train wreck. But, uh... Oh, Doc. Well, you and me were there, brother. Um, what I remember about Turbo, well, first backtrack two years prior with the Defenders of the Faith. You know, you just totally in love with that album and, and going to school or whatnot. And uh, I remember it, it, back then... You know, two years between albums was eternity. And I remember just waiting and waiting and waiting and, you know, seeing uh, Priest uh, at Live Aid summer of 85, like, you know, and Halford looked fucking badass. Everything's like, oh, killer. They look badass. They, they sound great. And all of a sudden, fast forward to the next year, 86, and all the fucking uh, American gay kind of, you know, hair metal bands were blowing up not thinking that Priest would ever be influenced by that stuff. Well, I got spoiler they were. And uh, I remember being in Stockton, California and listening to this radio station out there in 95 and they played um, Turbo Lover. And I remember going, what's this? It sounded so crazy and so different and just all this, you know. And at the time they said, oh no, it's uh, guitar synthesizers. You know, whatever. It's like, no, this so I was very skeptical, um, but I was open-minded because I was a tool. I was like the current uh, Scat Kiss fans. Anything they put out, they love. 
that was me, Judas Priest, Saving Sis, because Judas Priest is my number three band ever. And I remember just like, oh shit, you know. And and then obviously as the time went on, after hearing the um, the single, and then finally seeing the commercials on MTV and the colorful um, outfits, and it's like, oh my god. But I was still a tool, so I, um, you know, I was still up for it. And hearing them on Rockline and Alfred was saying. I remember some guy calling and saying, oh, man, you don't have that black leather look anymore. And he's like, well, no, it's black leather, but just, we just added color to the leather. And, you know, I was skeptical, but I was still on board. And um, I'm not going to say what I think of the whole album, but I was still interested and I was ready to proceed and, and couldn't wait for the tour to happen in 1586. So, yeah, so that's my initial, very, very initial reaction to Turbo. All right. Uh, how about you, Ian? Well, you know, my my first initiation to uh, Judas Priest was, uh, you know, prior to Rob Halford, because uh, my my mom for twenty dollars fucked Al Atkins, the original singer of Judas Priest, in uh, nineteen seventy three, and uh, created me. And I was like, oh, this doesn't sound that good. So I never listened to any of that other. You know, Judas Priest garbage. I was like, oh, this man's terrible. But then this shit came out when I was fucking 12. And the first... I, I mean, I know I had heard... Um, you got another thing coming before. And I, I thought that was cool, but, like, I never checked them out. But I saw the video, and it was introduced by none other than Mr. D. Snyder on MTV... I saw the video for Parental Guidance, and I was like, holy fucking shit, this guy sings a lot better than the guy I remember knocking out my mom's ovaries. And I was like, god damn, I love this shit. It was so cool. To a 12-year-old boy, Parental Guidance was so fucking cool. And so like, yeah, yeah, you ain't telling me to go to my room, god damn it, you know? I love this shit. I ran right out, bought Turbo, uh, fell in love with it. Uh, you know, I would go on, uh, you know, to buy the, the past catalog. I remember the first time, very specifically, hearing Unleashed in the East, like, wow, this sounds nothing like Judas Priest. Uh, but I dig it. But, uh, this was my first introduction, and, uh, I love I, I, I love the look. I love the dress. But at that time, that's... I mean, Kiss wore bright colors. Cinderella wore bright colors. Judas Priest, you know, Rob Halford had hair. You, you know, and the band wore bright colors. It was, it was everything. I mean, 1986 was a magical year. I, you know, discovered Kiss through Asylum and Tears Are Falling... And then it was like, you know, Judas Priest and fucking Dio and fucking all this shit docking. And man, it's just like metal was every anything that was hard rock. To me, it was all metal at that time. You know, it was just like this new discovery, you know, that I would get through Columbia House using all of my relatives names. Twelve albums for one penny. And I listed every fucking relative I had. And I would get all these amazing albums. You know, Wasp. Fucking all this shit. It was 
ACDC. Everything. But uh, 86, man, it was all about fucking Turbo. I love this shit, and it's one of those ones a lot of fans are, you know, older fans are like, oh, this is fucking garbage. And people who are closer to my age are like, this is where I discovered Judas Priest, and, you know, it went on from there. That's where I am with this. You know, spoiler alert, not my favorite Judas Priest album, but this is where I discovered them. And this is what made me go and discover the back catalog. And then from that point on, be a fan for life. So I have very, very fond memories of this album. And uh, we'll get into it more as we go through the album. But Ralph, uh, I got a feeling this was like a real slap in the face to you. Well, you know, if you really look at timeline here, Ian, even though, you know, of course you're going to love it because of the timeline, but even you being in that timeline, you can see a drastic difference from Turbo from Defenders of the Faith. You know, it's no different than when you yeah, heard... Yeah, but I didn't know Defenders of the Faith at that time. Yeah, but to me, it was like when you first heard Load. You know what I mean? It's a drastic difference. So, yeah. I'll never... Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. so... You can identify where I'm coming from. Bill was a little more uh, lenient, a little more supportive than I was. Where me, you know, being like the big Judas Priest fan, I still am and always will be. Uh, Never forget the first time I ever heard anything off this album was MTV had a show called The New Video Hour. And they would announce it like during the day, like, oh, tonight on The New Video Hour, we'll have a new Judas Priest. And I was like, ooh, new Judas Priest, man. And it was locked in. And I was like horrified. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was so bad. It was so terrible. It was everything. And the video, holy crap, with the Twinkie. Uh, I was like, and the fucking, what the fuck is up with KK's perm? It's like everything and all the colors. It was just, they looked terrible. And oh my God. And Rob Hoffer with the, dude, shave your head. You look better that way with the stupid fucking. Oh, I like the mullet. Ponytail. It was a ponytail. It wasn't a mullet. But, um. Well, no, oh, yeah, 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 it was. It was a mullet. You're right, you're right. But the, he was, the ponytail was ramming it down. Oh, was it? Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, erase this shit from Johnny be good, he had the ponytail. Fucking horrible cover. By, by, oh, he, horrible, dog. It was the first time Judas Priest did a cover that sucked. Because every cover right. before that fucking ruled. But, um, her locked in, I'm like, oh, God. This is so bad. This is not Judas Priest to me. What is this? A fucking, like, a, a, a happy hair metal type tune from Judas Priest? I was like, oh, God, please don't, don't, please don't be like this album. But, you know, album came out, me being the Priest fan, I went out and bought it and uh, just became even more horrified. And I really hated that fucking album. But... Still went to go see the tour, you know, still supported Judas Priest because, all right, so they made a shitty album. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop supporting them because I love Judas Priest. I went to go see this, ram it down. Anytime Judas Priest came to South Florida, I was there. The Turbo for Life. What did you think of the Turbo Tour? It was great, uh, except for the Turbo songs they played, except for the opening track, which was great. But by the time I saw, by the time that I saw that tour, I was very familiar with all the songs because, you know, back in those days, 
Uh, and I guess I still do it now, but not to the same extent. When a band comes, I don't care how horrible the album is, I play to death. So when I go to the show, I can be more familiar with the songs. And that was a torturous time, uh, that, that good week before Turbo, the Turbo Tour. And, uh, and then I saw it live, and they were great, dude. I actually snuck up to front row. The one, the one thing I remember the most about that show is Glenn Tipton looking down right at me, uh, singing Hellbent for Leather with me. That's the only thing I, I, I mean, I remember the whole show, but I'm just saying that was the highlight for me. Glenn Tipton looking at me going, Hellbent, Hellbent for Leather while I was doing it back at him. And he kept doing it to me the, the whole night. That's how close I was. But, um, yeah, I was horrified and it was just such a letdown. And to me, I still think it's a blemish in the Priest uh, discography. Though, after this, I don't think there was any blemishes in the Priest discography uh, up to this point. Uh, but after this, there was maybe like two or three more blemishes. Uh, the Ripper albums I'm not a fan of. I didn't like Ram It Down. Oops. Fucking gave that up. But the rest of this shit I like. I love, love, love Painkiller, but I don't consider that a Judas Priest album. But we'll talk about that whenever we review that album. If we have, we haven't done that one yet, right? No, I want to badly. I think that's the one Judas Priest album where they kind of conformed. This one, I don't think they really, I mean, image-wise, they conform, but this music, even though there's a lot of hair metal elements on it, but they really went the route of keyboards and just fucking, I don't know, and, and just the happiness of these songs is like, dude, where's my Sentinel? Where's, you know, my fucking Devil's Child? Where, where, where are my Judas Priest songs that, you know, I mean, but again, timeline is everything because... Ian loves this or loves some of this album because of the timeline where I'm just as guilty because point of entry is a drastic difference. Very commercial album, but I love it because of the timeline. So I can't fault Ian for being this way toward this album. But at the same time, I'm just as guilty because I love point of entry, which uh, Bill Wang, what number episodes that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but I, I think the comparison is maybe in the big picture valid, but they didn't drastically change. They didn't have a bunch of keyboard. They didn't Americanize their sound. Yeah, they, they oh, AC. Oh, yeah, they did. No, hold on. They ACDC their sound, but they didn't uh, Bon Jovi, Dokken, Rat. I mean, and I'm not trying to sell out those Motley Crue rap because I love the first three of both those bands. But by the time Turbo came out with the keyboards and everything, well, you know, talking about point of entry, five years prior, there was no keyboards. There was just fundamental, cool, uh, you know, basically uh, uh, piggybacking on songs like Living After Midnight, like anthemic, ACDC sort of songs. So I don't think the comparison is valid. But that's me. You know, that's no, no, me. I, 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 I do see a drastic difference between Point of Entry and Turbo. Yes, of course. But oh, totally. I'm like just, totally I'm just saying, I'm just saying the direction of that album was very non. No, 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 direction, valid point. Right, right, right. That's pretty much what I mean. You know. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but. Now, yeah. now, what I'm gonna say is kind of shocking, though. I did listen to this album today. 
I took notes because I don't listen to this album. I just don't. And uh, right. I've always liked one of the songs, but two songs on here, I changed my opinion on. I actually like them. One I like for the wrong reasons. The other one is like, dude, you know what? This song is, is a good song. Even though it has all the elements that make this album terrible, uh, I still, I, I, I warmed up to a song on here. And it's a popular one too. But um, anyway, uh, Bill, you do the honors, bro. Do the first song, Turbo Lover. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I, and I actually will. But to piggyback on what you were just talking about, and I don't want to do spoiler for the future, but my prediction, and we haven't spoken about this. On yeah, the predict, the, predict the songs. Go ahead. I, I think I think your favorite song on this record is Reckless. So, anyway, we'll, we'll wait till we get to that juncture. But, um, oh, my God, Turbo Lover, uh, the first song on the record, and a, and a little teeny amount of, of, of um, uh, notes that I did on the train home to San Francisco, just to remind me of that. I just I remember just the shock that I first heard when it when I first heard it you know the uh, it just sounded so Amer- American commercial and uh, and a bit cheesy um, but um, I mean in reflecting on it now I like it probably not probably I like it more now than I did back in 1986 um, it, it wasn't a song that I would ever expect priest album to be opened up with you know with just an album the two albums prior electric eye uh uh, free will burning and all of a sudden this with the keyboard element like wait a minute i'm just this is so crazy and i was doing so much cocaine at the time uh william claire chubby uh i I love that guy yeah (laughs) but yeah and and me being such a tool it's such a you know i equate myself with judas priest um, up until uh, the more later Judas Priest albums that I just I never gave a chance, quite frankly. But I, I was such at, at the time in '86 when that album came out, I was still on board, rah rah rah, Judas Priest, and um, I you know I accepted it. Um, you know, and I don't like when I do these uh, podcasts, with you guys. I don't. I try not to talk about how I think about it now. I try to put myself back in the, the frame of where I was back then, because you know, me and Doc were there. You know, we experienced Jesus Priest up until you know, if you go back to uh, uh, Unleash in the East. So you know, obviously our our Jesus Priest uh, comprehension was a little bit more than somebody like Ian who came on board here. That's well, the only reason that you know, I'm not trying to rip, bro, but you know, we're uh, old. Uh, let, let let me ask you this, right yeah. off the cuff. What, yeah. what, what, what's a better album? Angel of Retribution or Load? Load by far. Okay. So anyways, uh, yeah, so Turbo Lover. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was crazy looking at Halford in the video with the big old you know, mullet, uh, the long hair. Wow, what's this? You know, but uh, yeah, um, I, I, I find it fun now like listening to it now I think it's, you know but I understand why people with discerning pace you know like Doc well no fuck this you know Doc was a little bit more you know less of a tool 
even though Doc is more of a free spin than I am, uh, I I think Doc uh, says Priest is more than number three on this top list. And I want to ask you a but, but yeah, so anyways, I can keep going about the song. But anyway, there you go. <laughs> well, Dr. Fuck, before you answer this, let me, let me offer you the same question. What's a better album, Load or Angel of Retribution? Angel Retribution is better, and I actually like Angel of Retribution more than Painkiller. There you go. Thank you. I would say Angel right. Retribution is the best priest album since Defenders. Oh my goodness! Not All better, right. not better than Defenders, but better than everything after. Right. Um, All right. Well, what do you think of Turbo Lover? Well, if I'm gonna be like Bill and looking back how I felt about it back then, it's fucking terrible. But I have no idea what the fuck is wrong with me tonight because I fucking love this song now. I listen to it. <laughs> it's catchy. It's badass. The drums still do bother me. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but that dated ass keyboard sound is catchy and when when it goes into that middle section which I never really listen to because the times I ever hear this song is the video version which edits that part out dude that shit reminds me of classic priest actually like sin after sin shit like let us pray the, you know the ah, that part was so cool and um, the, the solo is fucking classic is all fuck I love the solo and then the last verse, they add another keyboard sound that just makes it, made me now a fan of this song. So yeah, overnight, I am now a fan of this song, Turbo Lover. Wow. So Ian, I would now like you to welcome me as an honorary, honorary <laughs> uh, member of your, <laughs> of your gay closet club. But, uh, Super, thanks for asking. I'm so glad you're not a remember. Uh, so, 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 just if you're keeping score out there, this is one of the two songs I changed my mind about. All right. I've always loved this song. This is, but I will say, this is the second song I heard off this album. Yeah, mine too. Uh, I, I love it, love it to fucking death. I think it's a classic priest song, but uh, you know, one thing I will say is, whoa, what's up with the drums? Because when I hear the drums on this entire album, I think about, you know, Eric. Well, we're all degenerate, so we've seen those porns where it's like the dildo on the machine that's going into the girl. Yeah. I think of like a dildo on a machine. Going into Michael J. Fox while he's full blown MS. Just like, uh, you know. It, it, it's not fucking drums, dude. It, it, it's like robots being raped by a fucking mechanical dildo. Uh, so that's unfortunate. But other than that, oh my god, do I love this song. It is so fucking catchy. And it's one of those things I admit, like, it's purely of the times. Like, if I wasn't a fan prior to this, I, you know, I could totally see me, like, have, like, no, this is no Free Will Burning. But I knew this song before I knew Free Will Burning. So I had no, like, it's not as good as what I heard before. I just knew when I heard this for the first time, I was like, this is fucking awesome. You know, 
I'm your turbo lover. You know, and all movies have Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. You know, it's it's fucking. You know, ugh, there's just it's so fucking catchy. And uh, you know, there's a lot of bands that experimented around this time. I mean, famously, this album came out and Iron Maiden somewhere in time. Uh, and I love both of those, but again, both Turbo and Somewhere in Time were my first introduction to these bands. So I had no prejudice beforehand about, oh, they sold out. And, you know, I, I can see where that's hard for old time fans to grasp, but it's much like my son who loves the fucking load and reloads. But that was his first introduction to Metallica. To me, that is the worst, like, commercial fucking Nickelback-sounding crap. But to him, that's what he knew. He had no prejudice. Like, he didn't know the good shit. He just knew that's what he first heard, and he liked that. That's how I am with this shit. Uh, you know, you know, to long-term Priest fans, this shit sounds like a sacrilege. But to me, I had no prejudice, and I liked this right away, so, like, all the older shit was just icing on the cake. It wasn't like, Ugh, how could they do this? It's like, hey, I like that song. Let me check out some more Judas Priest. And like, hey, I like this song even better. But this is one that stands the test of time. And it does sound dated. The drums are fucking horrible. But hey, I mean, Dave Holland wasn't there. He was fucking some, you know, he was fucking some quirky somewhere. I don't know. But, He's uh, fucking Lee Gerswig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Frankly, I think you're right. Uh, hey! Frankly. <laughs> but uh, a good song is a good song, and I think this is a, a well-written, catchy song that to long-term Judas Priest fans is, is, is just drenched in fucking keyboards and, you know, shit's overblown, but... If you go to the core structure of the song, to me it's not much different than a lot of other pre-songs. I see this album much like a lot of people see Point of Entry. I've, re I've read a lot of interviews like Kerry King was a huge Judas Priest fan. And when he heard Point of Entry, he's like, oh, fuck no. What the fuck is this faggot fucking shit? I love Point of Entry. Ralph, you said you love Point of Entry. I believe, I believe Bill Wang loves Point of Entry. I love it. Our podcast proves it. But I know you said, Ralph, you're like, if that would have came out at a different time in your life, you know, you probably wouldn't have liked I, it as I, much. I wouldn't have. I think I would be like how I was with Turbo all this time, that one song that I've always right, liked off right. Turbo. I would have liked Desert Plains. Always. I know that one I would have liked, even if it came out in 86. But the rest of it, I right. wouldn't like, but I love it. And, and I fully admit that I have prejudice with this. If if this wasn't my first Judas Priest album, I would probably hate this fucking shit. And there are songs that I'm like, what the fuck on this album? Mm -hmm. But this is one where I'm like, it is such a classic Judas Priest song, but then again what is classic Judas Priest? Because they have covered 
I think more so than any other band in heavy metal, Judas Priest has run the gamut of all this different shit. And you, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever run across a Judas Priest fan that loves every album. Like they have shit they love and shit they hate. Like it, I love Angel of Retribution. Yeah, unlike Ralph, unlike unlike Kiss fans. Right, hey, Ralph, you love Angel of Retribution. I think Angel I, of Retribution is like the most. It, it really does capture what Judas Priest is to me. It has shades. It has Angel. It has. Oh it, yes. You can hear. Painkiller, you can hear Sad Wings of Destiny, you can hear even uh, fucking uh, Point of Entry on that album with uh, Worth Fighting For. Oh, it's just, oh, it, yes. it, what it does, it, it takes all the elements of Judas Priest, all eras, and put it all on one album. And I don't think there's any Judas Priest album like that one. And I, I agree with you there, but I hate fucking Nostradamus. You know, so, so we so do I. So we differ there, but Bill Wang hates even more than what we hate about Angel of Retribution because, like, uh, it, 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 I don't it, hate it. it just, it's so boring. I don't want to hear it anymore. Right, right. But to to me and Ralph, it's a very exciting album that draws from all eras. But yeah. okay. but what I'm what I'm you know what I'm getting to is it depends on what Judas Priest is your Judas Priest. But the hard thing about Judas Priest is. This is a band that has songs like Evening Star and has songs like Dissident Aggressor. I mean, Judas Priest throughout their whole career has run the gamut. That's why, like, as much as I hate fucking Nostra dumbass, and I really, I've tried, I've tried so hard. I hate that fucking album. But I can't, I can't fault Judas Priest because throughout their entire career, They've always gone all over the fucking map. And that's it's why just, they are way better than Maiden, right there. Oh, I and I I, I agree. And I they, agree. they 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 do not care. They do not care. They whatever they feel at that moment in time, that's what they do. Either you jump on board or you don't. If you don't, really they don't give a fuck. The only one who really got mad was fucking uh was KK. And KK said in interviews, like part of what led him to leave Judas Priest was the negative reaction to Nostradamus. Because he's like, we worked so hard on this and everybody hated it. And I'm sorry, I'm one of those guys. I do not get that album. I think it sucks. I think it's like third grade fucking power metal. Don't like it at all. But again, like... I, I was already a vested Judas Priest fan at that time. When this shit came out, I was fresh. I was a strawberry. You guys already had a preconceived new notion of what your Judas Priest was. I didn't mm -hmm. know. But I liked this, and then I went back. Like I said, I remember I had a paper route. I used to get up at like 5.30 in the morning and pass the papers out, and I listened to fucking... Uh, Unleashed in the East on cassette. And that was miles away from fucking Turbo. And at first I was like, what the fuck is this shit? This does not sound like fucking Turbo. But it grew on me and I loved it. So I I don't get mad at anybody. Like, if you hate Turbo, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to fight with you. Whatever. 
it's not your Judas Priest. I get that. I'm fine. To me, you won't fight with people that love Turbo. That like, say for instance, people that love the Elder, right? No, I, I, yeah, but nobody says, oh, that's the album that that drew me in. I, I mean, seriously. How Anyways. Many- I digress. My bad, guys. No, Sorry, no, I fucked. No, no, seriously though. How many people said like, "Oh, I hated Kiss till I heard the Elder"? You've never heard that fucking story. But what I'm what I'm getting at though is like, you know, I I just liked this shit because it was catchy. The the voice was amazing. I loved fucking Rob Halford. Uh, and I I didn't know the other shit that I would grow to love. I mean, this is miles away from what now I consider my favorite fucking Judas Priest miles away but right. this is what got me into the band man and this was the second song I heard off the album and it was so fucking catchy and even today I, 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 when I listen to this and I, I know that I know this song like fucking the back of my hand but I'm like I'm gonna listen that's to pretty it. good I listen yeah exactly cause I jack off a lot uh, the majestic really? masturbator. Oh, really, God. really, oh, when yes. you when you jack off, you look at the back of your hand. Uh, no, I I close my hand, I close my eyes, and I imagine it's your hand because <laughs> yeah. I, not, ah. I not only write, I not only write your coattails, I ride your hand. So you know the uh, song like the back of my hand. I you guys had sex. Yes, I I know this like the back of Ralph's hand, but uh, but no, I I I love this shit. I, I, I love this song and there's shit about like like I said when I hear those drums and I'm like ah like now being a lifelong uh, priest fan like how do you compare Dave Holland to what Les Binks did I mean Les Binks shit is like wow and then you hear this robot shit that ain't even fucking Dave Holland and you're like uh but still. Even if even if there's fucking like a Casio overlay, you still know it's Glenn Tipton. You still know it's KK Downing, and you hear those amazing vocals of Rob, and and Ian's doing there nothing much like this Ian does on this show nothing, uh, you know. But it's awesome, it's awesome. I love Turbo Lover, uh, a, a fantastic song that I think reaches over many genres this is this is like one of those songs like you don't have to be a judas priest fan to appreciate it if you just like catchy fucking songs you can appreciate turbo lover much like okay dissident aggressor if you're not a metal fan you do not like that song you're like oh what the fuck is that but anybody with fucking two working ears can appreciate turbo lover that's what i'm getting at there you go all right, and then we go into the next song. Holy shit, that was a long Turbo Lover episode. But that was... <laughs> we all Turbo Love. Then we go to the next song, Locked In. Oh, my God. So, so bad, but I love it. You got the key. The key to my heart. <laughs> oh, go ahead and use it. Turn me in. Use me up. Oh, my God. It's so fucking... Hey, fucking hard. Keep singing, Ian. Yeah, it's so fucking retarded, but I love it. I love this fucking song. And it's like, 
it's a good follow-up. And my, you know, like, like if you're sequencing an album, I think it's a great follow-up to Turbo Lover. It keeps. Yeah, I well, I mean, I mean, maybe if you hate Turbo Lover, you won't like this. But I, I like this song. But Judas Priest is one of those songs. Is one of those bands, I should say. It's not about the fucking lyrics because Judas Priest has some horrible fucking lyrics. But the music is so strong it pulls you in. And a lot of people compared Turbo to Ram It Down uh, because it was supposed to be a double album, blah, blah, blah. To me, this album is a lot like fucking Point of Entry. Uh, There's some amazing strong songs that are considered classics. But there's there's other songs that are like filler. But if you like the album, you you get the flow of it, and you get the light, like like something like, okay, if I never heard Judas Priest, and somebody's like, you say yes, I say no, I'd be like, I'm like, get the fuck out of here with that fucking shit. <laughs> but if you're already a fucking, and then you hear some something like locked in. Locked inside your love. You know, it's like, yeah. Like, like these are some dumb fucking kiss lyrics, but this shit fucking makes me bang my head like, yes. I love Locked In. I love Locked In. Is it like, you know, top 20 fucking Judas Priest? Hell fucking no. Is it a good follow-up to fucking Turbo Lover? Fuck yeah. I love this shit. It takes me back to being fucking 12. And I dig it. What do you think, Bill Wang? You got me locked in, locked inside. You know what? Um, those keyboards, it's like, oh my goodness, please. This is crazy. Um, total cheese. But you know what? I, I can't like add anything what you just said because it's basically how I feel. And I was nine years prior to you. Um I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a, maybe for nostalgic effect, I love it more than I probably should. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I have nothing else to add. The next song I have a lot to say, but yeah. Doc, what do you think about Locked In? Uh, this was the first one I heard. Like I told you earlier, the, the MTV new video hour. And unlike uh, Turbo Lover, this one still sucks. Uh, the main riff, the melodic vocal pattern, the stupid-ass lyrics still blows as hard as it ever has. But the, the solo is badass. I actually always liked yeah. the solo. Yeah, I always thought the solo yeah. to the song was really good. So uh, there, I have one positive thing to say about it. But I'll go to the next one. Uh, Private Property. <clears throat> oh, dear. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Here we go, Doc. Here we go. Bang. Now, now. I heard this tonight for the first time in decades. And you know what? Listening to this song, <clears throat> you know who ripped off this song? Van Hagar. That's how terrible this song is. Listen to that song from Van Hagar that goes round and round and round. You know that song, that Van Hagar song? Run, run around. Dude, this is the same fucking song. It's the same fucking pattern. The verses are wow. just... Dude, listen to them back to back. I even actually fucking yeah, had to I go. I never thought about that. That's a, a fantastic analogy. Yeah, I, it hit me today. I was like, dude, what does this song remind me of? I know it's I know it's a shit song. And then it hit me and I go, I got to go on YouTube. 
So I went on YouTube and found that Van Hagar video. I listened to it. I was like, holy shit, did Van Hagar rip this off? It sounds like Runaround, man. It's fucking terrible. The chorus sucks hard, too, but I could say one good thing about it, that that part of the chorus doesn't sound like Van Hagar. It just sounds like a huge pile of platypus shit. And uh, we all know that platypus shit is better than Van Hagar, so there, I have something good to say about this. How about that? So far, I have three good things to say about the first three songs. Bam, bam, bam. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Ian, what do you think of Private Property? Uh, not too shabby. Okay, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe shabby. Maybe shabby. Um, Big enough. Vodka. I, I I love it. I love it. Uh, then you then you might as well go listen to Run Around. You'll end up loving that shit too. It's the same fucking song. No, no, I don't. I don't like that one. Again, this reminds me of a fucking uh, uh, of a point of entry song, which I think there's there's a lot of filler on point of entry. But I still love it, just because that album has a great flow to it. Uh, to, to my ears. To my ears. Even though, you know, there's there's some standouts on Point of Entry. There's a lot of filler, but every, it all fits the album. And to me, that that's what Private Property is. It's not like a standout fucking Judas Priest song. But it fits within the context of fucking Turbo. Uh, and you know, you know, stupid fucking lyrics. But there's plenty of stupid fucking Judas Priest lyrics. But it works on this album, and and it makes the flow of it work. Uh, again, like I said, I, you know, it's like, you know, I'm not gonna compare this shit to Hellion or Sentinel or you know, when the night comes down. You know, it, it's none of that. But in the context of Turbo. It's a good filler song, and uh, I, I I I don't mind the song. I like Private Property. What do you think, Bill Wayne? <clears throat> I don't know. It's when I an album like this, following you guys, it's just like rather than saying, "Oh, well, what you said." I mean, it's like there's some elements of the song that I really dig, and then there are some elements that suck. So it's like it's it's like. You know, if you like pinpoint uh, specific portions of the song, I really dig. So, but generally speaking, it's like nah, I guess I don't really like it. You know? Yeah, I like there's certain elements that I like, but generally speaking, I don't like this song. All right, all right. Well, why don't you take the next one, which is parental guidance? Oh, I, I, I'd be honored to. Probably. The worst horrible song that Judas Priest has ever, 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 ever released. Wow. I think it's the most pathetic. It's them trying to piggyback on the gay kiss songs of the era. Um, what? Oh, what'd you just say? I said it's probably a piggyback on the worst kiss songs of the era, mid 80s kiss. Uh, I think it's basically that kind of like uh, not to go off script, but like you know some of the songs off British Steel when Priest toured with uh, 
uh, Kiss on Dynasty. You know, you got Living After Midnight. Just sort of, there's a there's certain songs that I think, in my opinion, they kind of got influenced by Kiss songs, simplistic, really easy songs, whatever. But but this in particular, yeah, I think this is probably the worst Judas Priest song ever. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what do you think? Well, I believe I, I agree with Bill up to that point. I could think of other Judas Priest songs after this that are not worse, but just as bad. Uh, but uh, like, um, uh, what, what was it that name of that fucking new new metal song on on Demolition? The Metal Messiah, I think. I forgot. Whatever. whatever. Uh, but boy, the love fest from this album is over here, man. Hands down, the worst Judas Priest song up to that point. It fucking shit. It sounds like a fucking nursery rhyme. These fucking lyrics are even worse than I remember. And just when I thought it could not get worse, then there's the bridge. There's no communication. It's like, and and that guitar solo, who's playing that? Big Bird? <clears throat> this is This is Sesame Priest. You know, on Sesame Street. It belongs in the trash with Oscar. <clears throat> but I do have something Absolutely. good to say. But I do have something good to say uh, yet again. The way it ends. Talk about a relief. It's a good ending. You know, but God, what a terrible, terrible. And I remember uh, MTV used to have a show called uh, Metal Shop. It was shown like at yes, 3, 3 p.m. Yes, oh, my God. This yes, sir. This fucking video was always played on that thing. Like, every single day. And I would just look at this and I'd think, Dude, this is like kitty shit. It's like, Every day you look at me To turn the music low And then so the little, like, uh, Your three-piece suit. I mean, it's just so pandering to little fucking kids that don't know better. And it's just so terrible. It's like, dude, fuck parental guidance. I think you guys need a little metal guidance. Get back on the horse, <laughs> you fucking... What the fuck are you doing here? Terrible oh. song. Terrible, oh. terrible fucking song. Oh, my God. The worst song on this terrible fucking album. That's, yep. saying, that's saying something. Yeah, so, that's saying something. Sesame Priest. That's the best way. Yeah, I can find and that's instantly because there's some decent, you know, decent songs on it. This is just like, oh my god, my ears are just. Want, I just want to just like, you know, stick M80s in my ears after hearing this song. Yeah, you know? me too, man, and and light them up and blow up I my ears so I don't have to hear this again. <laughs> oh my god, I mean, I I have to put this like, you know, it's hard for me to say this, but. I, I, I think this song is so bad that I would even label it as in my top 10 top ten worst songs ever written from and one of the it's probably the only band I can think of that's in my top three that wrote a song that's in my top 10 worst songs ever written <laughs> seriously go yeah go figure man I'll take man I, yeah you know what now I think about it maybe that Metal Messiah song ain't this bad gotta go back and listen to it I remember <laughs> Demolition was so bad, but I don't think it could have been worse than this. This is just yeah, right. no. fucking horrible. horrible. Totally. 
horrible. Like I'll take really? I'll, I'll take fucking oh. Angel and the Gambler over this shit. Yeah. Yeah. That terrible Iron Maiden song. All right, Ian. Don't tell me you like this shit. Well, you probably do. You were a kid. Oh, I guarantee he does. Yeah, they were pan- they, they were pandering to uh, him back then. A fucking masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> this this is the first Judas Priest song that I honestly remember hearing. And as a twelve-year-old boy, it was everything I wanted to hear. I love this fucking song. This was all about, uh, you know, I was getting into a different type of music, and my grandmother fucking hated it. I remember, I had I had this uh, Iron Maiden blacklight poster that was the cover number of the Beast that I went away for the weekend to go see my other grandparents, and when I came back, it was torn down because she thought I was worshiping the devil. Because I was listening to this shit, and I went from like listening to New Edition, you know, and and stuff like that, to and George Benson, to this shit. So this song meant everything to me. This was the first song, I um, and I fucking loved it. You know, you guys laugh at it, whatever. That dude, that's fine. You guys make fun of it. I get it. But as a twelve-year-old kid who was just getting into hard rock and was being, like, crucified for it. This meant everything to me. It spoke to me. Uh, I love this fucking song. I remember I saw this on MTV. The first time I heard it, it was the show you were talking about, Ralph, that uh, D. D Snyder hosted. No, 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 that was Heavy Metal Mania. Metal Shop was hosted by, like, Alan Hunter and shit like that. Or, well, whatever. It was the Daily Show, but on that day, D. Snodder mm-hmm. wasn't doing it. I, I'll never forget this. It was fucking Alan Hunter who was hosting it. And yeah. he goes, well, uh, you know me, and if I'm doing this show, we're going to end it with some Judas Priest. And he ended it with this. <laughs> and and uh. that, that was my first exposure to Judas Priest. And when I saw this video, I was like, Fuck yeah, and, and I can get, I totally get why you guys hate it. I totally understand why you hate it, but you've got to understand, when I first heard this, I was 12 years old, and this shit, much like, hey, man, Kiss was my favorite band when I was 12 fucking years old, and those songs, like, were like, oh, that's fucking, you know, that's some Led Zeppelin type shit. As we all know, when we grow up, Kiss is not Led Zeppelin shit, you know, and, and that's how this is. It's kitty fucking shit. It's stupid fucking lyrics. But to me, as a twelve-year-old kid, it fucking it reached me, and I was like, hell yeah! It made me go out and buy this album, and this is what made me a Judas Priest fan. This is not my favorite Judas Priest song by any means, but it's because of this song that I bought Turbo. And then I bought Priest Live. And then I bought uh, Unleashed in the East and British Steel. And I think I bought... um, I think I bought Defenders of the Faith. And then Ram It Down came out. And then I bought fucking uh, Screaming for Vengeance. I mean, I I know we're talking like a totally weird 
track area here, but you got to remember, this is what pulled me in. All right, not the best, but this is what pulled me in. And then I went. Well, back that's all that matters. As much as we rip you, some oh of the yeah, shit. yeah. Well, well, I, I'm not. I, hey, 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 hey! I'm not ripping Ian no, at all. No, I know you're not, Doc. For liking this, it's no, okay, I know you're dude. Not, but I will no. say, interest. Uh, now it makes me wonder what Ian just said. He was 13, and he really got oh, into 12, the song. 12. 12. 12. He was 12, and he we really got into. He was 12, and he really got into the song. It makes me wonder. Did Dave Holland write this one? <laughs> it makes me wonder: Is Dave Holland Ian's stepfather? <laughs> well, remember, yeah. remember, Dave Holland uh, did molest Ian when he gave him drum lessons. I remember that episode. Uh, Ian said that on some episode. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I think he did. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, is this? No, like, total respect, Ian. I totally respect what you're saying. It. it you're coming out with your heart. You're spilling no, your like gut. Like I said, like I said man. Like, like I said, yeah, no, about. like like I said about point of entry, dude. It's like, how can I bash Ian? I understand where he's coming from. But, you know, I mean, come on. Yeah. How can, you know, Ian fucking loathes a lot of shit I fucking love. So, you know, it's like, I understand where he's coming from. So, by uh, him saying he loves this song that I really, really detest, Dude, it's like that's cool with me, bro. Yeah, I really, what, I really what, don't what, care. You know, it's okay. What, what, I, what I'm saying though, as, as adults, I can see why this shit is retarded to you. But I was a 12 year old boy, right? And, right. and, and that might say something about. But I mean, look at a lot of Priest albums have some of the worst lyrics ever. One of my favorite Juice Priest albums of all time is fucking Painkiller. Has some retarded fucking lyrics. I mean, like, like really, like cringeworthy fucking lyrics. But I love the I music so much. Is like the revenge of Kiss. You know oh, what? You know what? Well, you know what? Opinion, no. Painkiller is the same. I will. Anyway. I will. T- I will tell you. Let me. Let me say something about that. Right. Right. What uh, Bill said. I never thought of it that way because I really hate revenge. I love unholy. I really hate revenge. I love painkiller, but I do see a similarity in the fan base that praises praises revenge so much, and I see a lot of fans praise uh, painkiller right, so much. Right. I'm kind of like, man. I mean, okay, that's oh, your opinion, well, but see, fuck. I, it's, I, I, well, the thing about painkiller with me, it's too one-dimensional, and that's well, see, not what I, I love I, about Judas Priest. I, I'm I'm one of those fanboys that like, okay, I came in with fucking with with Turbo, and then then I bought Priest Live. Then I went back got got the back catalog, fell in love with that shit. When Ram It Down came out, I was like, oh well, this isn't as good as everything else. And then when Painkiller came out, I was like, yes, yes, yes. You know, but I can see what you guys say about comparing that to that shitty fucking revenge album. Which I mean, I think I think Priest fans think that Painkiller is so great, and Kiss fans think that Revenge is so great. I think they're both on the same level. But I know I'm going off. No, no, but that that's your that's your opinion. I understand what you're saying. You know, again, I gotta respect it. I will say I have to go on record to say 
I fucking love Painkiller. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing that album at all. I think it's a great fucking album. To me, it's just not what I love about Judas Priest, though. It's not the 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 black and white shades. It's it's just too one dimensional. But I love it. I do love the album. But I love it like I love The Elder. The Elder's not a Kiss album to me. But I love that album. You know what I mean? But I can admit it's not a Kiss album. So I feel the same way. But uh, I love The Elder. Pink Killer. Uh, what? Yeah. What? You know. You know what? The Elder blows away the painkiller. Oh, oh yeah, my God. the, oh, the painkiller. As my old grandma would say, the painkiller. Yeah, painkiller has three great songs. The Elder has. Mm. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah, I I, mm. I, I think I disagree no. there too. No. You love Ralph. Ralph, no. why don't you take rock you all around the world? Yeah, hey, this one's this one's more upbeat. This is like them trying to remind us that they are still a metal band, but they do it to a song that is not fucking metal. We're going to rock. We're going to roll, roll, roll. We're going to shake you down with this song that blows. Jesus, this sucks. I hate this song. (laughs) Ian, what do you think? Elementary metal. Rock you all around the world. Holy shit. Reminds me of like... Ten other things that Ralph's mom charges fifty bucks for. <laughs> Seventy-five, uh, by the so, way. Yeah, I, I'm adjusting this to the nineteen eighty-six dollars. <laughs> oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, oh that was. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, uh, yeah, you can't polish a turd. This is, uh, you know, this is the, them just trying to get in to fit in. Uh, not great. I mean, not. Not horrible. I mean, I've heard way worse than this, but I've heard a whole hell of a lot better. But by Judas Priest standards, yeah, this oh, yeah. is a, this this is a very bad song. And uh, <laughs> there, there there's songs that I love on this, and I'll fight and argue about, but I ain't fucking arguing over this. Sh- fucking rock you all around the world. Oh my god! And it made rock the goddamn you set all list. All around the world. Hey, uh, seven out of the nine songs on this album made the set list on the tour. Yep. Yeah. But I will say this. Oh, my God. I'll never forget. Man, I written this on VHS, the Fuel for Life concert. Oh, man. When that shit came out, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. I watched the fuck. I I written that shit so many times because back then. Like, like nowadays, okay, you can just buy the shit. Back then, it wasn't affordable to just, you know, to just buy shit. Man, I rented the fuck out of the Fuel for Life video, and uh, I fucking love the shit out of it. But uh, I'm so glad Rock You All Around the World uh, for 50 bucks for Miss Vieira wasn't on there, because this is a shit song. Oh, no, but it, <laughs> they did play it. This was on the set list. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Senior Wang? Um, I think the, the fucking guitar solo that starts the song is like, yes, there's a, an uplifting, like, yes, the song is gonna fucking kick ass. I mean, I dig that just the, the initial guitar solo blast is badass. But then all of a sudden, it just, you know, goes into a total suck fest. 
It's like just, you know, just pedestrian. La 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 la. You know, like holy Gersman sort of bullshit. You know? <laughs> I mean, so you... people... it, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. But you know, uh, yeah, hey, yeah, it's. Uh... So, would you say this is this is better or worse than Torpedo Girl? Uh, worse. Why don't you talk about Out in the Cold? All right, now this one I've always loved. I've always this was the only song on this album I liked even back then. Uh, I gotta admit it took me a little bit because I just hated the whole album, but you know, um, just to goes to show I I could be open minded because this is the song with the most keyboards and the mellowest on yeah. here, but but I find it to be perfect regardless. It's it's so un Judas Priest, but that's why. I love Judas Priest. That's why I think they're better than Maiden. They're not afraid to take chances. And this song is a great example of it. Well, the whole album is a great example of them taking chances. But this is one of those Priest songs where they take a chance. And I love, I fucking love it. Like uh, um, Before the Dawn. Um, You know, there's just certain songs that are so un-Priest that I fucking love. Uh, Don't Go. Desert Plains, you know, uh, Take These Chains. I could go on and on. Songs that are just so out of the box, but it's fucking awesome. And a very, very weird way to open a show because it's it, it's not an opening track for, for, a, for a Judas Priest show. But yet, no. it worked. It no, worked. Bro. Right. It worked. It worked live. It worked yeah. as an opening track. They made the impossible possible. A song that shouldn't open a yep. show. They did it, and it and it worked. Fucking wild. Yeah. Just like um, uh, Defenders of the Faith. They opened the show with Love Bites. That's not a song to open a show with. Great analogy. And, and Solar Angels. You know, it's like, it, it just worked. You know, like Helly and Electric Eye. Now that's a song that you'd expect a, sh- a pre-show to open with. Well, I mean? it's obvious. It's obvious. Yeah. yeah. Well, so there you it's go. It's like when I saw Kiss on the Crazy Nights tour, they opened up with Just a Boy. I'm like, it, it worked, worked, right? <laughs> it, it worked. I was like, it fits the rest of this shit. <laughs> what, right. do, what, do you, what do you think Bill Wang about the Uh... Man, with the, with the um, I don't know. Rather than saying what the fuck Doc said, I'll I'll expand on it. Yeah, he's totally right. Um, the uh, the just that colorful aspect and that that whole vibe and that that drums, do 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 do. I fucking love this song. This song is so fucking badass. I remember that that uh, turbo um, feel the, for life. Yeah, that. What's that? The video feel for life. Yeah, no, just, no. I was specifically referring to actually live, but I guess that is probably what you're talking about. But you know, Halford in the hands of the, the thing, just like no, no, no. But yeah, um, I love that song. Fabulous. I mean, it's, it basically goes against everything I just ran it against. 
because it just proves that if you're a fan of a band, you're going to turn your cheek and give somebody carte blanche or whatever they do, you're going to accept. And this in particular, I mean, you know, back then, you know, as a very young man, uh, chubby, uh, he'll know what I'm talking about. I love that guy. Yeah, right. I, you know, it just, I hated the colorful outfit, like, you know, seeing the tour prior two years before, but that opening of that, I really fucking love out I think Doc is the name. You know? I think it's badass. I think it it, it doesn't uh, circumvent the metalness that is Judas Priest. Um, I think it's, there's a validness to the song, and I love it. So Out in the Cold is badass. And to open up the gig, back then, a lot of us, uh, like folks like me and Doc, uh, you know, a lot of people bitched and moaned. Oh man, what the fuck is this bullshit bubble? I dug it. I dug it. So I love Out in the Cold. Um, I, forever, I'll remember opening up the, the Turbo Tour, the docking opening up May 15th, 1986, Open Coliseum. I love it. All right. Well, I absolutely love this fucking song. By far, in a way, my favorite fucking song on the album. Uh, amazing. The only thing I think that could make this song better, and what what sucks is, like, I truly think this is like an all-time priest epic. But because of the production and because of the keys, but, like, in my mind... I want to hear this like, you know, KK, Glenn, and Rob, but with like John Lord and Ian Pace on drums. You know, like change it up to where it's not so robotic, but it's more like human. Like, like hear like a Hammond B organ and like some real acoustic drums. And I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm thinking it's up there. You know, I'm not saying it's better than fucking Victim of Changes, but I'm saying it's like one of those type epics. And what an opener. I mean, every time I hear this, uh, you know, I keep going back to the Fuel for Life video because that's when I became a Judas Priest fan. And I remember, like, you know, watching it, you know, and, you know, you hear the ominous keyboards, you know, and, and, and then you see the rest of the band, and then it. At the very end, here comes fucking Hawford, you know, with his long hair, which I thought was cool at the time because I didn't know him with his short hair. Right, You know, but he comes out with this fucking, you know, goddamn fucking, uh, you know, what's the goddamn movie, uh, uh, the one with uh, goddamn Keanu Reeves, Matrix. Looks like he got like a Matrix outfit on and everything, and who knows, who knows if he swallowed the blue pill or the red pill. I think he swallowed them both. But he comes out there like a motherfucker, and you know, and just sings this song, and just it's so epic and beautiful, and uh, damn, it's it's just one of those songs like where you know if there's a little bit of different instrumentation, you know, I I mean, I seriously, I truly believe. If, if it didn't sound Casio and the drums were like, you know, like if it's less Binks on drums and 
and you know like John Lord or Josh Silver on keyboards you know people be like oh this is one of the greatest fucking pre-songs of all time but still to me no matter what is fucking amazing and I think it was a great way to open the show just cause it's ass in the fear ass in the fear. I know I'm saying that wrong I'm fucked up but atmosphere yeah, right. It's, it's, it's so different than what we're used to, right? Exa- exactly. It sets a mood and whatever, you know, and you, you hear, you know, Doc and whatever just got lucky and everybody's like, woo-wee, everybody's happy. And then you hear this, you know, and then you see this big fucking, you know, like Johnny Five fucking robot on the stage. They're like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? And then here comes the metal god himself, Rob Halford. And he's singing this song, and I love how it starts out, you know, where he's like, you know, you know, just like singing in a beautiful voice, and, and it's just coming out natural, and then it gets heavier and heavier, and then feels though I'm out in the cup, down, 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 you know, it's just like, holy fuck, you know, this is a rock and roll show and it's one of those things I watched as a kid it's like I'm too young to go to these concerts but I could only imagine what you guys got to fucking see because hey, I, yes. caught, I, 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 I caught the tail end you know I caught the tail end of the big production but you guys got to go in arenas you know where it's just filled with people who love fucking metal and a bunch of fucking hooahs, you know, and all these chicks, and then here comes the fucking metal god singing this song, and I don't give a fuck if you like fucking Turbo or whatever, because the next song's coming off of fucking, you know, uh, Defenders of the Faith, and the song after yeah. that, you know. Fuck yeah. yeah. You tell it, bitch. Yeah, the song after that's coming off of fucking Screaming for Vengeance. And then they throw in a little fucking, you know, victim of changes. So fucking happy. But you are seeing metal fucking gods. You are seeing Judas Priest sing this song. And to me, I, I know I'd love it on record. But to hear this live is even more, you know, like just... Oh god damn to see this in arena and right, all the right, all, right, all, right. all the shit I missed on but you guys Yeah Yeah but but here's the thing too uh something different than like if you go see an arena show today opposed to the 80s the big difference also yeah you do get a great show visually I mean they have better technology now but the crowd in the 80s they weren't like, oh, Aerosmith is playing combination. I don't know what's going on. They would right. rock to it. Where all the songs back then, people would rock to it. It wasn't like, oh, I don't know this old one. Because it was all old back then. You know what I mean? Uh, so, oh, like, yeah. he goes, oh, yeah. like, you know, when I went to go see Aerosmith, when they played combination, everybody's like, what the fuck's this? In the 80s, it, I saw, you know, I've never seen them play combination, but I saw them play... Um, uh, reefer headed woman on uh, the done with mirror tours people were into it and that's a deep track you know I'm just saying Fuck the yeah. crowds back then were way better than the crowds today but basically what I'm saying is out in the cold is a great fucking song yeah right here. Fuck yeah yeah I know huh? alright so Bill Wang what do you think about wild nights and hot and crazy days 
Yeah, I, I, well, my, I don't like, I don't like this song. I never have liked it. Um, yeah, I really need to add about it. I don't like the song. Now. Right. I mean, there's some, there's some elements that I like. There's some guitar um, that I like, but generally speaking, yeah, I don't really like it. All right, what do you think, Ralph? Uh, Wild Nights and Crazy Days. Judas Priest, uh, why have you forsaken me with this fucking song? This is just so fucking shitty. This band is, is fucking abysmal when they write party songs. Leave this to the professionals like Van Halen and Eddie and the Boozers. Yes. Thank you. All right. Oh, my God, this song. When I hear this song, though, I, I can't help but be reminded by a young Ralph Vieira. I, I, I think of this as Jews Priest at Spring Break. And Ralph is a young busboy with a thin Mexican mustache and a mullet. No, but, no, but, I've but, never but, had a mullet. Hold on. I had the mustache. I had the mustache. I, I, I think of you with a thin mustache, a mullet, and you are like banging all these older ladies at a resort. You know, like all these other kids are oh, there. fuck. It's like about the, time you say I fuck older ladies. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Like all these other kids are there for spring break and, and, and all the older rich women are being ignored because all these young ladies. But I just picture you like making all these tips and banging all these bitches at some like sleazy hotel in Fort Lauderdale. When I hear this song, I think of Ralph Vieira fucking bitches with a horrible mustache. Well, okay, uh, you're half right. I never had a mullet, but I did have a horrible mustache. There you and go. it was and it wasn't thin. It was a horrible thick mustache. Oh, thin. oh my god, like a handlebar, huh? Uh, no, it didn't even go that low. My facial, I had a weird facial hair. I, dude, you know, I, I didn't grow a beard till I was like in my thirties. <laughs> you know, it was weird. My, well, that's I, what I I'm was, saying. Like in '86, what were you? Like forty-five? Uh, yeah, well, forty-seven. Twenty-twenty-one. Either way, you got laid. It's a, it's a win-win story. You know. Old we weren't. <laughs> You're just begging older ladies. All right, well, that's uh, Hot Nights and Wild, or Wild Nights and Hot Crazy Days. A piece of shit song. That's the way you should Yeah, not, not too good. Bill Wayne, what do you think about Hot for Love? Yeah! My next song is called Hot for Hotland. And that's my little bitch. Uh, my, little, <laughs> my little baby I love so. Hot for Hotland. This is Gia Elizabeth Wayne. <laughs> I'm getting a little upset. Sorry, baby girl. Yeah, Hot for Holland. I love this song. This song is like totally one of the best songs on this album. And it's, um, I just love the way it sounds. I dig it. It's so simplistic. And yeah, is it thought provoking? Not really. But I just like Hot for Hotland. I love this song. I think it's a great song. And it's probably one of the best songs on the record. Is it the best song? No. But um, I like it. You know, it's one of the few songs that I'm not embarrassed to still say I like uh, revisionist history, history sort of thing. You know, 
you know how it is, man. You hear a song like 20, 30 years later, and it's like, oh my god, how did I like that? But I like the song. I like it. Yeah. Is it obviously a commercial hot car? You know what I mean? But I, I, I mix it up with hot for hot because I like calling Gmo with hot. Um, I love the song. So I think it's a great song. So there you go. Bam, bam, bam. All right, Ralph. What do you think of "Hot for Love"? Well, unlike unlike Bill, I am embarrassed to like this song. Um, <laughs> actually, this is the the third. Like, remember, I said there's two new songs. I two songs here. I changed my I, I changed my mind on. This one's one of them. This song reminds me of "Kiss Meets the Fan of the Park." It's so bad, it's awesome. I changed <laughs> my tune on this one. I actually like this one now. Sometimes I surprise myself by loving songs that I know that suck. And this is one of them. I like that stupid-ass happy solo harmony that is just so fucking dumb. In that middle section when it breaks down and all you hear is the keyboards. He's like, no way to run! And you hear that Miami Vice fucking drumming. Do-do-do-do-do. And uh, that fucking bad bridge and chorus. I, I have been converted now. This song is the exception to the rule to go fucking full retard. Thank you. All right. Well, that review lets me know that you are full retard. <laughs> well, because this is the worst song on the fucking album. Oh my god, this song reminds me of Kiss Me. Uh, this song reminds me uh, of Kiss Me music I, I, from the Elder. This is fucking retarded. This is so like fucking. This, this is fucking poison. This is like fucking priest poison. I don't know what, I mean, oh my god, this shit, um, actually, if, if I look at my real notes, I put, okay, I can't even defend this shit, by, by far, the worst fucking turd on this shit, like, this is so far beneath fucking Judas Priest, it's not even funny, I hate this fucking Well, let song. me tell you something, pal. I totally right. disagree, but I can't argue because <laughs> it, it's so bad. And all these things you're saying about it, I'm like, yeah, I see your point. I can't believe I like this shit. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, I've never liked it. And I heard it today. I'm like, God, this is so terrible. It's awesome. You know, you know the funny, I like this song. You know, Sorry, guys. You know, the one I thought you would change your mind on was parental guidance but you did oh god no man now you dude stop with the fucking liquor i would never change my mind on that no no i am not gonna stop with the liquor well stop with the fucking stop with thinking i would do that because that really makes me uneasy okay all right well ralph while you're on a roll why don't you talk about the last song reckless Reckless. A lot of my turbo-hating friends love this one. Not me. This is back to the Sesame Priest versus, like, parental guidance. It's so dopey. Reckless is fucking awesomeless. Uh, fuck you, Restless. I don't like it. Thank you. All right, Ian, what do you think of Reckless? Holy shit, what a fucking smoking turd this song is. Uh, this song was supposed to be on the Top Gun soundtrack. Oh, I thought and... it was, wasn't it? No, no, I... it was. Okay. It was. It was supposed to be, and uh, there was conflicting reasons for why it wasn't. For one reason, uh, Judas Priest said that movie sounds gay, 
and it's going to be a flop. So that's one reason they pulled it. And for another reason is they thought if they pulled the song, it couldn't be on Turbo. They didn't understand that they could put out a song and it could be both on a soundtrack and on an album. But why this song would ever be picked for a fucking, for anything. I mean, I have no fucking idea. This is, this is like bottom barrel Judas Priest. Uh, this is like, like if somebody's like, oh, I hate Turbo, and they mentioned Reckless. I'm like, okay, you got me there. Yeah, that's a horrible fucking song. I hate this fucking shit. Horrible. All right, Bill, what do you think of Reckless? I fucking love Reckless. Reckless is like reckless in love. I love this song. I think it's fucking badass. I love the solo in the song, man. And you know, the thing about this album, it gets ragged on. And there's all sorts of valid reasons why it should be ragged on. Because it's not Defenders of the Faith. Because it's not Screamer Vent. Because it's not, you know, I can keep going and going. It's totally a departure. And I think fans that were there from not necessarily day one because we were only little teen babies, me and Ralph. But like, for instance, like when we were like 13, 14, like, you know, Scream for Vengeance, uh, going back to um, uh, Unleashed in the East. I mean, fans like us that were there. This was a song, in my opinion, you know, that kind of like a harken back to a little bit of uh, that era and anyways I love this song I think it's a great song I think it's one of the top three songs on this record wow wow yeah yeah I I love it I love the song I love it I think it's fucking fantastic yeah well well, we, we, we disagree but it is a fascinating song because it is the one that was supposed to be on the Top Gun soundtrack that was a, oh, right, a, right. a, a mega-selling album, and uh, they decided not to do it. So who knows what could have happened. Would that have made uh, them a, a bigger band? You never know. But Cheap Trick had a fucking horrible song on the, on the Top Gun soundtrack, and it didn't help them any, so you never know. Good analogy. I forgot about that. That's a great point. Great point. I forgot well, about that. You may, you may have discussed this on our uh, phone calls before, and uh, right. that's I, for, I forgot about that. That's right. Well, I'm, I mean, that's one of those things. In the 80s, I mean, if you had a hit, if you had a song, even if it wasn't a hit song, if you had it on a hit soundtrack, it could bring you this whole other audience. And, you know, we, well, I know I love Cheap Trick. I know Ralph loves Cheap Trick. Are, are, are you a big Cheap Trick fan, Bill? No, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. All right, Absolutely. right. But they they put a song on the, on the Top Gun soundtrack called Top Wings or some shit like that. It was fucking horrible. I mean, it was a bad representation of what Cheap Trick are as a whole. It was like a totally like lame-ass commercial bullshit song. Didn't help their record sales Remember at all. I love that song. I love that movie. I have it on Blu-ray. That and, and, and the band Rick Nielsen hates that fucking song. I fucking love I, it. Me too. I, 
I love, but again, did nothing to help them. But I mean, there was a lot of bands in the '80s. I mean, I mean, I think soundtracks really came into their own in the '80s, and you know, a lot of bands got coverage because of that shit. But you know, what this could have done for Cheap Trick, I mean, for Judas Priest that time, I have no idea. I don't think they needed it because they were so big at the time when uh, this album came out. To me, it's almost like you know their black album. Like no matter what they did, it was gonna do good because of what they did before, and because it was commercial. All of a sudden, now you have girls at a at a, at a fucking Judas Priest concert, which I don't think you had before. Not no, never. Ian. Not not never. true, Ian. Uh, believe right. it or not, D- J- Judas Priest, I mean, had a big female fan base. Be- believe it or not. A lot of chicks love Judas Priest and, even more shocking, Ronnie James Dio. Those two groups, out of all the heavier metal bands, uh, they now more chicks are into Maiden, but back then I didn't see as many chicks into Maiden as Judas Priest and uh, well, and Dio. I, I Well, I'll, I'll back you up there because I had an ex-girlfriend who, like, she liked metal, but she was more like, she liked the pretty boy metal, but she loved Ronnie James Dio. Yeah, like, a lot of chicks love Dio. Yeah, it, it, Wang it, loves Dio. Yeah, and 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 Priest too, and for the same reasons, because of they both have amazing singers. You know what I mean? So right, a lot right. of chicks loved Judas Priest because of Rob Hoffer's voice. You know, that's what jump, brought them in. I want to jump his bounds. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, a lot of chicks. I mean, I knew all the girls I knew back then all loved Priest. All love, love Jesus Priest. That was the one band like you know they weren't into like Merciful Fate and and you know even Iron Maiden, but they loved Judas Priest. And, and that's the oh thing. god no no chick, any chick that liked Iron Maiden or, or Merciful Fate, uh, they're pretty dirty. <laughs> Not yeah. not now though because there's some hot ass bitches that love King Diamond. I mean beautiful right? girls, no. but not back yeah. then. Not back then. Not in the eighties. Yeah, no, the eighties it was. They were, they were pretty metal. No, and if there was any girls into Merciful Fate in the eighties, the guys were hotter. Yeah, they, they look like Andrew Jacobs. <laughs> but uh, okay, I have to interrupt this podcast because I had to edit a lot of this out because. Bill Wang and I went on this diatribe for a good, like, 40 minutes, 40, 50 minutes. It was just me and him going off on something that I'm not going to air. It may be on the YouTube exclusive in the future. But uh, after we were done ranting at each other, uh, we go, hey, Ian. And Ian was completely sloshed. So I guess I had to put this in here just to let you explain because I didn't want to just edit it right into... Ian completely sloshed. So after our rant, this is what happened. But I, <laughs> I'm bad. not going to do bad. that. that I'm not. Bad. Ian, Ian, what's up? Uh, Ian passed out, man. Hello, Ian. Hello. Hey, come on. Let's finish this show, dude. Exactly. Yeah, come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, me and Doc go off. <laughs> That's cool. Ian. All right. Go ahead. Give your little, give your little recap of uh, 
of um, of Turbo, and then we'll do our pick of the week and call it a night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, there's there's a lot of albums that are better, and there's some <laughs> that are worse. Uh, I I haven't done this little ditty warts at all. Uh, not perfect by any means. Uh, but I have shit that is worse. I mean, like, worse. Wow, what a great recap. What's your pick of the week, dude? Uh, what? Ian, wake up! <laughs> Come uh, on, bro. Dilly D. Bam, bam, bam. Okay, uh, the first album by Boston is my pick of the week. All it, right, killer. What's your, what is your pick of the week, uh, uh, Bill? Wow, I didn't even get to go into how. I oh, I thought. I, oh, I, I, oh, go ahead. Explain. I thought you wanted to. I thought you were gonna pass out on us. Go oh, ahead. No. What do you think of the first Boston album? She, what? She Willikers. It sure is a good album. What do you guys got? <laughs> oh wow. Good thing. Good thing. I, I made you go back to explain that. All right, uh, 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 Bill Wang, what's your pick of the week? You know what, man? I'm going to fucking pick of the week the, a predictable motherfucking album. But you know what? I've been fucking rocking to this shit like fucking heavy-ass motherfucking. I, I know it's like, oh, my God, this guy is so predictable. You know what? Fuck you. Because I'm about to pick a fucking amazing album. And I pick 1978's ACDC Power Age. That's my Hell album. yeah. Damn. Woo. My favorite yeah. ACDC album. Great pick, Beats dude. Beats I just had to do it, man. I've, I've been wanting to pick it throughout. I always pick kind of gay albums. I said, no, I'm going to fucking, fucking go hardcore fucking ACDC power. Well, you know yeah. what I'm going to do, Bill? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something I've never done before, ever. My What's pick that? of the week, oh my, my pick of the week is a pick of the week that was chose this week. Power Age by ACDC is my pick as well. Thank you. Wow. Fuck yeah, Bill <laughs> Wang. And hey, by the way, I love the first <laughs> Boston album. First Boston album rules. That yeah. would be my, yeah. my pick of the, my pick of the week is Power Age. And the first Boston album. Fuck yeah, guys. I'm with both of you on this one. It has foreplay, a long time. Uh, hitch a ride, bro. Hitch a ride. Gonna hitch a ride. Alongside. Great song. Yeah. Rock and roll band. Rock and yeah. roll band. Yeah. Alright, alright. And, right. uh, and, and uh, the other uh, song. Jesus. He's he got a show in the morning. <laughs> uh, I think that shit's cancelled. <laughs> Welcome to no, the man, morning. And I heard a song. It's music to bright my day. Ian, Ian, oh my goodness. That song's not right. there too. Hey, uh, Ian, who's, fa who's fan of the week? Have you ever heard Don't okay. Look Back? That's off the second album. Yeah, that's a good one, too. That has Party and Man I'll Never Be and fucking, oh. uh... Oh, it's well. easy. Taking oh. it day by day. Feeling satisfied. Satisfied. That's how it goes. It's like, satisfied. And everybody's happy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is a great podcast. This is going to be a good one. 
I like. All right. I like Boston. I mean, they're not that good, but they're pretty good. You know, it, it, I mean, it's better than that Amanda shit. You know. Oh, that was terrible. Third stage, they suck. Uh, only the first two albums matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they suck. You're right, dog. Fuck it. Uh, you know what's even worse is fourth stage. Because that's cancer. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? yeah. <laughs> even when he's almost passed out, he's still funny. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, dog. I, I, have no, I, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, but I'm ready to play. Yeah. I, have, I have a feel. I have a feeling uh, Ian is actually asleep. He's talking in his sleep. And he's still hilarious. Well, thank you. We don't need no, 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 friends who got one life. And I'm gonna live it up. Da -da -da -da. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> Crescendo. All right, so that's our fan of the week. Yeah. Peter yeah. Chris. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Peter, Chris, our fan. Now let's go into the plugs. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, series such as ultra sexy classic album series where some of your favorite musicians producers journalists and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal get with it and go to marsattacksradio.com to find out more listen to the rock show with gully and joe go to all the w's gully g-u-l-l-y-a-n-d-j-o-a.uk 8 p.m uk time 3 p.m eastern the Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right. It's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else. Whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey, everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast, and if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast. Starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. 
So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Hello, my name is Lee Gerstmann, and I have a podcast which is improvisational in time. The next episode might be 20 seconds away or might be 20 years away, but it's called The Lee Gerstmann Show, and I do a lot of record reviews, but I also do editorials about women and food and other subjects, strange or otherwise, feel free to take a listen to The Lee Gersman Show on Spreaker. Thank ya. Hey, headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on The Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room, and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say, and we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks, then I ain't playing it because my show rules, and only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. All right, this is the Ayatollah of Alcoholic, Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like, too. Check me out every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. All right. Well, if you stay away to this episode, you're more sober than me. Come back next week when maybe the person we're supposed to do an episode shows up. Or maybe not. We'll just call Bill Lang back and we're going to talk about these sides of the coin. That's All right. And next week I'll translate what Ian just said. I'm right. In English. Yeah, right. Please. I love the first boss now. More than a feeling. <laughs> I woke up this morning and the sun was gone. Listen to some music to light my day. And dreamed of a girl I used to fuck. I close my eyes and I look away. Look away. Come on, come on, hit hit the note. Go for it. Okay, look hold on. away. Oh, away. Hell yeah! <laughs> you fucking cheater! I know that was the album. <laughs> That was my neighbor yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> Bill White, ladies and gentlemen. 
Thank you, Bill Wang. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ace Hardware. And Sears. Ralph Mira, Ian Wadley, Bill Wang, the trifecta, the the dream team. We'll be back another episode in the future. Yes. Talk about Billy Joel's and Innocent Man. There you go. <laughs> Carry on my wayward son. Um, yeah. with you. I don't need no. No, no, no. A red of God. God yeah. Oh my God. This is going to be a great podcast. I can't wait to hear about it. life. And I'm going to live it up. Yeah. Hey, Doc, where did you yeah. see the uh, Turbo Tour? Hollywood Sportatorium with Dockin. And, so, and okay. some of it, uh, uh, contrary to what many people think, some of that shows on Priest Live. It's mostly Dallas, but some of it's Sportatorium. Uh. I believe the Sentinel is Sportatorium from the live album, not the video. Oh, okay, okay. Well, what did you think of Dawkins back then? Uh, they were uh, well. That was under lock and key. I started to lose interest right then. But uh, I love Tooth and Nail, dude. I love Tooth and Nail. Uh, I know you did that. That amazing video that you did that I always bump. Matter of fact, I'm gonna bump it tonight. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a little drunk. Just yeah. Good for you, man. Right on. I'm ready to go. You're a little. You're, you're a little awake. Yeah, you're a little awake. Not so much. Not so much. Hey, Ian, you sound that... like you're getting a little drunk there, bro. I'm, I'm a little tipsy. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. I'm like, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. I should probably not drive anywhere. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hello, you, the good listener. It's not your fault. Yeah. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good conversations, man. Fuck yeah. yeah. Good, good, good talk, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> so, Doc, on a serious yeah. note, man, we were, we we're talking about doing the Peter Chris thing. Let me know when you want to yeah. do that, man. I'm, I'm up for that. Uh, what, what's the premise? Well, you were uh, 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 shitty drummers and shitty singers. No, you were talking about um, like his solo material, like well, well, see solo material. See, that's, see, see Bill, here's here's the problem with that. Um, I I think that that would do better on my almost human. Like if I did a video of us talking about Peter Chris on my almost human YouTube page. I want to start a page called Almost Kiss, where we almost talk about Kiss, but we really don't get there. <laughs> it, it, it's all other bands. And you oh. think we're going to talk about Kiss, but like, we never quite get there. Call, call it Almost Kiss 56. All right, dude. I, I have a new page called Almost Boston, where it's a lot of bands that sound like Boston, but it's not quite Boston. Bands from it's bands from the the state next to Boston. Yes, so it's on the it's it, it's the finest rock that Vermont has to offer. There you go. I'm Almost going. Boston. 
Ben from Vermont. Hi, Doc. I, I look forward to our Peter, Chris, and Ian. Have a good show. I'll talk to you tomorrow, bud. Positive, bud. All right, guys. Later, man. All right, later, Doc. Uh, bye. Bye. A message from Rob Halford of Judas Priest. Step on the red, cross on the green, never take a ride in a stranger's machine, and always make sure you're burning on turbo power. Judas Priest, turbo, fuel for life. It's 1986. Do you know where your children are? They're out burning on turbo power. Judas Priest, turbo, fuel for life. A public service message from Rob Halford of Judas Priest. Step on the red, cross on the green, never take a ride in a stranger's machine, and always make sure you're burning on turbo power. Judas Priest, turbo, fuel for life. Coming next week. Do you know me, lead singer of Judas Priest, idol of millions? Wherever I go in case folks don't know me, I always make sure I carry my turbo. Judas Priest's new album, Turbo. Don't wreck home without it. Good wine, you know, we've matured, we've still got a good kick. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can still we can still deliver the goods, but um, after so many years and after seeing so much in all the areas of, of, uh, of rock and roll, we, we may be a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more aware of things these days than we were in the mm -hmm. early ones, you know. Now, one of the one of the terms that I see in the criticism yeah. that I've read, and the, that is by the critics, and mm -hmm. it's not that critical, mm -hmm. is that there is a consistency to this album mm -hmm. in the sense that there is a theme or thread that runs from piece to piece, and mm -hmm. not one jangling set of noises uh -huh. followed by another disjointed jangling. That's right. How, how do you accomplish that? with a form that's a little bit uh, chaotic it seems yeah. well i think i think probably the main reason how this this flavor that that appears to to come through the album as a as a period is because the original intention that we had was to make a double album for this this special 10-year anniversary that we have with with our record company cbs and uh, we want to try and put together something special as a as a thank you especially to our friend uh, fans around the mm -hmm. world but the two album deal didn't quite work out so we were left with uh, maybe 18 or 19 songs, different types of songs, but we culled the nine tracks that we have on the current album. And I think because of that, because we were able to choose and mm -hmm. discriminate and put the I whole see. thing together, it appears to have that, that overall effect, which of course is very useful because if it plays through well from the A side through to the last track on the B side, that, that's an advantage rather than having totally separate pieces, mm -hmm. although we do feel it does have that quality. Well, now, I'm going to ask you to explain something to me mm -hmm. because I'm probably on about the same level of ignorance as our viewers <laughs> out there on Nightwatch, uh, and I, because I don't understand it all. Uh -huh. uh, from what I read, yes, uh, there are two things that you did that's a little bit unusual in heavy metal recordings. Yeah. One is the use of the guitar synthesizers, guitar sense, yeah. and the other is that you did use digital record. I know a little bit about that. Uh -huh. Start out and explain to me how that the, the guitar synthesizer worked and why it's a little unusual in this kind of music. Okay, well, primarily heavy metal music is, is essentially a, a setup of usually one or two guitars, obviously bass, drums and vocals. And synthesizers, we've always felt until now, have had maybe a little bit of a cold quality to them because it's basically a, a keyboard or orientated note, you just press mm -hmm. a, p a piece of plastic and it just mm -hmm. triggers off an mm -hmm. electronic signal. With guitar synths, you still have the, the ability, because you're physically playing the guitar, mm -hmm. to, you know, put bend and feel and yeah. tremolo and all of the emotional qualities that you would normally do through a, mm -hmm. a physical instrument. And because of that, we felt that we could, we could capture something of the quality of, um, 
of uh, the soulfulness, as it were, as opposed to the straight flat sound of a keyboard synth. And it is new, you know. Yeah. It's very new. It's a departure for us to, to explore into this territory. Now, uh, the digital recording. Yeah. Now, that's been explained to me, but I'm not sure I understand it. Well, neither do I. I'm, I'm, yeah. not, the, I'm not the expert, really. All I, all I know oh, is we're the usual analog. <laughs> we usual... expose our ignorance here, aren't we? <laughs> the usual... You just put me in front of a microphone. Yeah. That's my job. Yeah. Uh, the usual uh, way of recording analog-wise is, is a, a process of sound going down through sound waves and... Um, and uh, but with digital, it's the, the, the sound is analysed something so many hundreds of thousands of times by a computer, and it's actually put down in in digital sequence, like numerical form. And then it's laid Goodness back. Let me ask you: works. is this is this what they do when they put the musicians in different soundproof compartments? Uh, that really isn't the the That's true right. essence of it. Uh -huh. No, it, it's a, it's quite complicated. It's been many many years in the development. All that all that really comes out of the whole process at the end result when you when you when you put that. Uh, Laser disc, for example, compact mm -hmm. discs are now becoming very popular. When you hear that, it's it's probably the closest, truest essence of form of that it's, that's physically known at, okay. at this time. And, and so that, that brings me to the question. It seems to me that in many ways the essence of heavy metal yeah. would be the emotion, oh, surely, the chaos, yeah. The, yeah. the serendipity. Uh -huh. And when you use high-tech methods mm -hmm. to make it so perfect, mm -hmm. aren't you working at cross-purposes? Well, I think it helps to get the message across even stronger because I think you're, you're, you are in actual fact capturing everything and not losing the the the, the, the merest breath the breath or, or, or anything it's all mm -hmm. going down it's all it's all coming over to you you know it's probably it's probably um there's probably different fors and against with uh, with how people interpret mm -hmm. what heavy metal music is about uh, now as you well know mm -hmm. some critics said okay in doing this you sort of sold out because mm -hmm. you want you wanted to create music that they play on the radio mm. and didn't didn't jangle the nerves well i think it's fair to say as uh, f for any artist that we're all out there striving to reach as many people as is physically possible in our form and our style of music we do have a a solid following of an audience especially in the u.s which is our biggest market but we constantly strive within the band to try and reach as, as many people as is physically possible and sometimes that means um cultivating certain mm -hmm. areas and, and sure. stars of you don't music, have any you know. apologies to make it all I, but I, I i would draw the line at saying that we sold out because we'd ne we've never done that mm -hmm. if you look at this band's career this is our 10th album for example with cbs and uh we feel that we've developed as musicians and artists over the years and we feel that where we are now is truly representative of how we we are in in 1996 you know? rob i want to take a break here we'll sure. come back and pick up on that thing okay we'll be right back low mileage <laughs> back with Rob Halford, who is the lead singer in the heavy metal group uh, Judith Priest. Now, we just saw a little bit of that. How is that different from other heavy metal groups? Well, I think, I think it's fair to say that we've always felt right from day one that we've had a, an original sound, something different, something individual to offer in the, the branch of music that we work in heavy metal. And uh, I think that uh, after all of these many years of experience, we've got uh, maybe something of an edge over the other bands that are that are currently in the same uh, mm -hmm. genre of, of work. You now, know. is it fair to say that you're a little bit less uh, extreme, let's put it, than you used to be? I read a story about you once 
I think you rode a motorcycle out on the stage cracking a bullwhip. Still do. Do you still crack a bullwhip over crack the, the bull audience? Whip these days, Fred, Why not? No. Why uh, not? Well, I, it was a bit difficult holding on with both of <laughs> doing, doing this, you know. Someone grabbed that bullwhip one time, didn't they? I've, I've lost several. I've lost several yeah. in, over the years. And you came and squirted them with a... With a uh, oh, we've been up to all different an with, antics yeah. in the early days, you know. Oh, you've mellowed. But, uh, you, you admit you've mellowed. Um, Maybe. I, I don't think we can really find the, the right word. Is to, mm -hmm. I don't think mellow is the right word, you know. Yeah. We, we, still, we, can still, uh, we still do put out uh, yeah. a tremendously exciting show with, yeah. full of uh, entertainment and uh, so many other things. Yeah. Well, I, you well know because you've been on tour uh, here in the United States. That tour is about over, but yes. you've been on tour. Yeah. That there's a lot of attention being given here these days to uh, uh, drug abuse. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only fair to ask you if the kind of music that you do doesn't uh, encourage, in some ways, those kids to get out there and dope up. I think that uh, this is just for my own my own personal opinion on the subject. I think that uh, as an individual, as an artist, as a member of Judas Priest, I, I know that I'm I'm certainly responsible to a certain extent uh, for, for what I do, which is write most of the, of the lyrics for the songs and of course that's where that's where a lot of people younger people generally take the interpretation of the songs from uh, to the best of my knowledge in the whole of this band's career and something over a hundred recorded songs we've never advocated the use of drugs we've never told people to drink we've never we've never really pushed any specific area uh, mm. onto on onto anyone do that others cause a complaint well um I would I would hesitate to say that they haven't done that. I know that there are some bands that do go out of their way to um, to really expand on mm. their. Uh, when know, you're their up use. there riding around on your hog and yeah. cracking your whip, do you smell the marijuana coming out of there? Is, is it apparent to occasionally, you? Occasionally, occasionally, but uh, you see that change. Well, of course, we've been doing this. We've been we've been touring the U.S. since the uh, the late seventies. And, and uh, is there any change? More of that, less of that? I, I personally feel that it's less. I think that I think a lot of a lot of miscredit is given towards younger people these days. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think that I think that if you look at at, at the majority of the bunch, that uh, they they're just as aware of the um, the problems that can be created by by drinking and by alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, I read drugs. somewhere that you are a non drinker non-drinker and you don't use drugs no no has it always been that way or it's you... not always been that way I, i'll freely admit that i had my problem with alcohol mm -hmm. and i belong to an organization mm -hmm. that helps me now and i'm into my eighth month of sobriety my eighth mm -hmm. month of sobriety mm -hmm. which i thank the lord for and a whole yeah. bunch of people that work with me but it didn't work for me and uh i was lucky to 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 be saved at the at a crucial mm -hmm. moment in in my career personally but uh but but I, but I would say that for the most part, just referring back to to the younger mm. people, that they are certainly um, certainly you know given miscredit for for them. I think the majority of them are just like ourselves. They're out for a good time. Yeah. You're you're young once. You maybe live a, a fast pace for a few years, but generally you just want to you know yeah. go out there and have fun. Speaking about having fun, I read a story about some of the annex that you all have gone through in making your video. Yes. And you were suspended over a bear pit at the L.A. Oh, yes, Zoo? Yes, the old L.A. Zoo. This was yeah. brought about by um, the people that we work with over there in Los Angeles, the, uh, the two directors and the producers that, we, uh, that we've mm -hmm. formed a great relationship with. Um, we're always looking out for crazy things to do, Fred, and this was just one, one of the, the most recent ones that we worked on. Well, I would think that with the kind of music you do, if you had an, an everyday scene mm -hmm. before the person, they'd clash. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't create the sensation you want. Um, 
It's a different. It's a different sort of medium, mm -hmm. you know. Um, the two, the two sides yeah. of, of video work and, and shows and so on and so forth mm -hmm. are, uh, are to two different aspects yeah. entirely. You know, we only have about two minutes here, and I've got one more question after uh -huh. this one. But I'm fascinated with your life. You're always on the go. You wrote the, uh, you wrote Turbo, Living in Spain, mm -hmm. uh, Island uh, Marbella. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been all over this country. Yeah. You can only live in in England. In two, England for two months of the year for tax reasons. For tax reasons, yes, because it's a, it's a it's a very fickle business, as we said at the early part of this interview. And you can only uh, have you, you saved a lot of money. I mean, do you have I've, a lot of money. Yeah, I think we've we've uh -huh. we've only in the last few years made what we, we, you you would consider to be a, a substantial reward for the amount of uh -huh. um, input. That Is there a hazard of getting a little older? In your, I mean, is it people might say that now? Yeah. I just passed my 35th birthday two days ago. <laughs> well, I'm not saying but now. It's, uh, no, no, you're not. Yeah. But it's, you know, some people say it's a young man's profession. But I think that, uh, I think that, as, as far as uh, as far as our following goes, you know, the younger people especially, they see us as as being a first class act, and they enjoy our records, enjoy our shows, and we're going to be a, be around as long as we can keep putting out good records, yeah. good shows, and you know. Okay, now we only have half a minute there, but on that point. What directions are you going to go? Or are you going to keep right on this turbo? We're still going to go stretching out and all, you know, see what see what else we, there's left to do in heavy metal and go to some new countries hopefully this year. You know. Uh -huh. Now, when you stretch out, and again, we just have a few seconds. Uh -huh. What changes does that involve? Um, I think it just means expanding as an artist and opening uh -huh. you opening up as many musical doors as is physically possible. Listen, Rob Halford, we enjoyed this conversation. Best of luck with you. Thank you, you Fred. We'll be back. Stay tuned.